Hi, my name is James Forbes and I'm the General Manager of Consumer here at Equifax and uh, I'm your host today. Uh, well, brokers are an integral part of the banking system here in Australia and today I'm joined by Peter White, Managing Director of the Finance Brokers Association of Australia to talk about how brokers are adapting to changes in the mortgage market in Australia. Welcome, Peter. Thanks, James. I really appreciate being uh, here on the podcast with you. No problem at all. So look, for our listeners and uh, for our viewers, can you please introduce yourself and maybe give us a little bit of your background? Oh, I'll give you a quick elevator pitch. So uh, Peter White, as you said, uh, Managing Director for the Association, FBAA. Uh, been in the industry 43 years, just about to click into my 44th and uh, cut my teeth in mainstream banking with major banks and progressed through a whole host of different things over the years with investment banks and private banking and Non-banking became a big passion of mine. I uh, set up Rams Home Loans first sales office in 1993 and uh, got involved with the association uh, in 2003 as state manager in New South Wales and it wound up being all consuming in one's life, which uh, these sort of things tend to do if you're not careful. So when uh, I was uh, appointed to chairman of the board national president in 2008, 2010, I took over full-time as CEO. and. Uh, the rest is history. I'm still here. That's fantastic. So, look, Peter, we're living in uh, you know quite um, changeable economic times. Oh. How have you know raising interest rates uh, and uh, rising inflation impacted the volume of applications uh, the brokers are seeing and, and their their workload overall? Mm. James, it's it's very interesting, and, and from I guess from my point of view, not unexpected, but um, brokers are busier than ever. They were through the GFC and they still are now. Um, volumes are continually increasing. Um, and it's driven because of the changes in these markets. And you know, whether you look at uh, you know, where inflation has hit and you know, for quite some time, uh, I don't think as a country we realised how high that had risen. Yet the activity for brokers was still continuing, looking to refinance, purchase, whatever it may be, to get better interest rates, better deals. And of course now as we've uh, seen the the long-awaited rising interest rates and so taking some fairly seriously big jumps um, and more to come, I dare say. Um, brokers are very, very busy on that refinance sector. Everybody's looking to try and um, you know, get a better deal. Uh, this is always the case. But this is always, always the situation. Over the decades I've been in this industry, rising interest rate market heats up refinances. Those who have um, maybe better financial positions from a an income point of view, uh, we'll see some opportunities in the marketplace that they'll take that opportunity and buy those. So there's sort of a, a heated spot over here for the lucky ones that are in the right position and those who uh, want to refinance are, are really going hard at it and it just keeps the market solid. And uh, at some point, that'll all turn as well. Yeah. Do you see, uh, do you see uh, mortgage applications or the volumes plateauing any time Anytime soon? Do you see the cooling housing market uh, potentially yeah. having uh, having an impact there? Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm a bit of an each way bet on this. I hate being a pensioner, so I'm not known for that. Um, but um, it will be interesting to see. I, I, I fear that we'll get another 50 basis points rise uh, in the next uh, RBA re review. We've seen the ASX futures predicting that that the cash rate will hit just around 3.4% uh, and pull back to about 299 by the end of next year. So these are gonna push interest rates up a fair bit. 
I've been saying for a long time that, um, and prior to rates under rise, that I would see that when rates do go, they would sit somewhere between a ver standard variable home loan rate of 4.5% to 6%. Um, it looks like I'm not far off the money and it'll sit somewhere, maybe peak at 55 and pull back to 5 or just under. But um, that, the cause and effect of that is it's going to change the dynamics of applications. Whether it slows applications um, is the big toss of the coin. Um, the, the style of application will probably be heavy refinances. People try and cope with higher repayments. Um, as I said, for the, for the luckier ones that are in a, a better um, cash flow position, they'll be able to pick up some purchase because it, it will at some point start and pull the property market back a bit. Now we're already seeing part of that. And again, I was on record uh, a few months ago, so saying, well, you're probably gonna see somewhere upwards of 15 or maybe 20% drop in property rates in certain pockets. I mean, certainly not a, a spread. We've already seen 10% um, in very uh, quite a few places around the country. Um, I don't think we'll get to 20, but some places will. I mean, we've seen where I live in Queensland, uh, property prices are just basically you know, increased by 50%. It's just not worth it. Um, and it's probably not sustainable. Um, but as people's affordability changes because of rising interest rates, the actual buyers are going to reduce. There'll still be buyers, but the number of buyers will reduce. Um, and that will put pressure on people who want to sell to pull their, their asking price back a bit. And uh, that's going to turn around and uh, have an impact uh, on property prices as well. The level of activity, I think, is going to stay preheated for a while. Yeah, yeah, we're certainly Peter seeing a lot of uh, a lot more refinancing activity, much less activity from uh, new home buyers. Mm. Uh, but the the volumes are sort of have been stabilising. Mm. So, so in that environment, Peter, where you know we're seeing a lot more of that refinancing, how are brokers getting involved to sort of really assist their clients and I guess really and maintain them through? through um, the sort of change? Uh, well, again, let's say brokers have been extremely active. So there's a whole host of things happening uh, in the marketplace to assist borrowers with where they are now and in preparation for what to come. Because one of the tricks in the marketplace is that you've had a whole lot of borrowers fix into some really cheap fixed interest rates. Right? You know, they've got things in the high ones or early twos. But when they step out of that, interest rates are likely going to be 5% or around that sort of mark. Um, so that's a big differential uh, for what you've been paying now and, and what you're going to pay when you step out. So there's a lot of education happening in the marketplace from ourselves and from aggregators and so on, saying, look, what you probably need to do as one consideration amongst many is start to educate your borrower. Say, look, if repayments were here, it's going to cost you this much more. So take that piece and put it in a separate account. Put it somewhere where you don't see it. Don't spend it, park it, so that you you are used to what that's gonna look like when you step into it and not then fall into this deep dark hole. You're like, oh crap, I can't afford these repayments. Because you adjust your your, your, your discretionary spending and so on um, to what it is you've got available in your bank account. So there's a lot of education happening around that style of commentary and also dealing with the clients, reaching out to them, just asking them, how are you going? Yeah. Are you, you travelling all right with your repayments? What if it turned out and your repayment went to this mark? Where does that leave you in the marketplace? So there's um, a lot of activity, I guess, behind the scenes, if I can put that, direct between broker and borrower, just as, a, I guess, a, a mortgage health check style of thing. 
because as those interest rates change, um, people, you know, may, you know, a lot of people will be able to afford the repayments if they're in the right space, but they may not be able to move because as we know, the servicing rate, floor rate, whatever you want to call it, is another two, three percent higher depending on the lender. And they may not afford that servicing rate, but they can afford what they're doing now, but they then become trapped. And so the old mortgage prisoner uh, title starts to float to the top again as well. So yeah, some interesting challenges and balances as we go forward. Yeah, so you really see brokers playing a much broader role uh, supporting their customers uh, oh, myself, it, it, than just it, purely around the application. Yeah, and it's, when we say, I guess, I don't know if it's a broader role, but a more proactive role. And brokers have always done yeah. this, but more proactively in um, almost, I'm not really happy with the term, but mortgage planning, like planning for the future and understanding what that's going to look like versus this incredible long period of either you know, 11 years of reducing interest rates or sitting at a very, very low interest rate for quite a long time. And now all of a sudden we're on this uh, elevated run and um, so many borrowers have never been there before and uh, there needs to be a lot of uh, care and management uh, for all of those borrowers. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. Look, fast turnaround times uh, for loan approval has been a key issue for brokers and, and their customers for, for a very long time. And, and, you know, we speak to banks a lot, you know, they're focus heavy, focusing heavily on reducing that, uh, that time to yes. What are you seeing as best practice in the market uh, around that? And, and how does that, uh, I guess, that con compressing of the uh, mortgage approval time uh, uh, impact the, a broker's business? Uh, uh, James, I'll be a little bit cheeky and say I don't think best practice has been achieved yet, but there's certainly some great improvements in the marketplace. Um, you know, it, it's uh, one of those things whereby uh, I, I guess it, it has been a loud conversation for a long time, especially through COVID, where a lot of the lenders turned around and tried, had offshore processing centres. They all collapsed as well and everything had to be bought back onshore. Things were taking a ridiculous amount of time to get approvals. That is all sharpened right up, and uh, you know, banks are now. And I, I'm travelling around the country at the moment, about a three-year period, and you know, I'm constantly hearing the banks saying, "We've pulled back our, our approval times. It's four days. It's one day. It's you know, if they're digital platforms, it's a couple of hours, whatever it may be." There's a whole host of things that are changing and, and moving around that space. So, the banks have obviously listened to the outcry of industry, but also to yeah, the outcry of industry is more about you've got a consumer, a borrower here who is suffering because you're in inadequacies. You've got to get it right. And then there's imbalances between broker and branch networks where branch networks were getting, if you like, favourable turnarounds uh, times and the brokers weren't. All these things are balancing out and rationalising, which is a really good thing to see. When you, you see that the borrower's market penetration is, is north of 60% of originated loans, um, there are you know, reports of it hitting 70, whether it's actually really there or it was a spike and whether that falls back a bit. But I think over the next few quarters, we'll be able to see the measures as to where the, the, the consisting measure is. But I've always said that brokers, and, and I've said this since 2016, actually, I was on a study tour overseas and I was looking at different markets, came back to it. Brokers will hit 70% penetration of market share and they have every likelihood to achieve 80% with time in the decades to come largely driven by the grunt work being done through technology. <clears throat> and the fact that this whole industry um, is premised off 
the needs of the consumer. So if I go back into the 90s, the thing that drove this in the 90s when broking first started, right, and I'm talking early 90s here, so the 92, 93, and then as we hit 95, banks were shutting branches all around the country. Some brokers stepped up the plate and said, hey, I'll come see you. You tell me when, what time, where, I'll be there and it's cool. And the consumer loved it and it drove the market share. And so long as we're providing those services, it will continue to happen. Speed of turnaround, approval times and settlement times um, and taking uh, manual human interventions out of that grunt work piece uh, will see market shares only continue to improve because this is what the consumer actually wants. Yeah. Yeah, technology, it's a really interesting question. Obviously, we're seeing that being applied you know, right across the board to drive efficiencies. How are brokers specifically sort of adopting technology in their, in their practices to help them um, do business better? Yeah, there's, there's a large adoption in technology and there's also a lot of work to develop even better technologies. So there's various platforms, it usually comes through the aggregator, so the umbrella company sitting above the actual broker who provide the technology services to get loans submitted and into the process with the lenders and, and, and get that uh, uh, all moving nice and quickly. And um, But there's still a lot more to be done and there is a lot more currently being done to actually improve all of those things. And I guess like anything, you sort of put your toe in the water of something, you say, well, this is a great piece of tech. <clears throat> and then as time goes by, he says, oh, I can tweak it here, I can improve it there. Oh, this wasn't here when we first did this, we can now do this. Um, and so that technology growth will continue and expedite uh, the opportunities in the marketplace for brokers. And the brokers have adapted to it really, really well. If I went back um, five to 10 years ago where things were starting to boil along in the tech space, yeah, the, the adoption was a little bit slow. Um, everybody's used to more manual processing, it took a bit of time to get everybody on board, but it happened. Um, and even now, yeah, we're finding that many brokers, not everyone's got a website sort of things, but I don't call that tech, I call that as a marketing piece you need to have. But they're starting to build um, smart tech under it to help integrate with these other systems. Um, and to me, yeah, the great future is the end-to-end -end solution that actually still doesn't exist. So it starts on your website, integrates into your processing, your approvals, into your settlements, and, and you're done without human intervention. You're still going to have the people contact. It doesn't take away the human beings. It just takes away all the grunt work. At the moment, we've got some stops and gaps in the process. Once they're eliminated, you know, um, and especially with as, as blockchain grows, um, and, and the uh, sorry the uh, open banking platforms and sorry uh, uh, grow and uh, and are really embedded into the systems uh, in a, a normal way rather than a, a piecemeal sporadic way as it uh, first steps out will be enormous advantages to our industry because things will just and they're done. What what do you, what's your sense, Pete, around the the timeframes for the you know the adoption? or maybe at, at, at the mass adoption of open data in in that mortgage process? Um, I think it'll be pretty quick once it, once it gets its fluidity. Um, and I think next year we'll see some interesting times, probably in the second half more so than the first half, only because as things get going, um, you, you sort of got to get your momentum, your steam up. And um, I think the second half next year will be interesting in that space. I think it will set the premise for other things to develop off it that will then improve things yet again. Um, we've got to watch it. It's, it's all well and good for mortgage brokers. I know that's the, the bigger piece of the market, but finance brokers are cut out of this largely. 
because of the way regulation's being uh, written. Because um, you know the, the past government was trying to get the extension, uh, sorry, to get the uh, ex uh, part of the responsible lending repeal was the extension of the best interest duty. So finance brokers who don't do home loans at all, they only say do consumer asset stuff, um, don't have a fiduciary obligation under law. They don't have a best interest duty. And therefore they're gonna have difficulty with uh, CDR, open banking, because of that, it's not there. But there are intermediaries trying to fill that hole. Um, I think that, yeah, like I said, second half next year, and as we go through the next five years, I think it'll be a really exciting time as to where technology goes how it's adapted and how it fulfills a delivery, unlike what we've seen now. Yeah, that's great. You mentioned uh, best interest duty, uh, Peter. Obviously, that was introduced back in twenty one. Yeah. How have brokers gone about adapting to to its introduction, and, and yeah. are you seeing that that's now well embedded within broker practices? Yeah. Well, Touchwood. Um, I've not heard any disasters as yet. I know ASIC's doing a, a whole lot of auditing. And uh, I've had uh, uh, early conversations around how that's going. And there doesn't seem to be uh, any regulatory issues of great note. I mean, none of us are perfect, right? So you're going to find something. Um, but um, I know the brokers adopted to it like duck to water. It was brilliant. Um, the technology stepped up again so that all the aggregators built and enhanced their technology to adequately <clears throat> excuse me, cope with the, the obligations under the best interest duty. And um, although it's more work and the common complaint is I have to do more, I don't get paid anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the brokers have adopted well to it. And the current auditing, both internally through groups um, and externally by the regulator, are showing that uh, these things are ticking the box. They have been adopted well. Um, there, there'll be always be areas where you could do better here or you need to fix this up there or whatever it may be. And there'll be odd one that trip right over the wire. I mean, that's, <clears throat> that's life, that's part of being human. Um, but principally, it's going very, very well and uh, industry should be very proud of itself in doing that. Um, it was a scary piece as it led into it for many. I always said it was gonna be the best thing for the industry because I could see that duty, that obligation heading that journey up for market penetration, market share through origination to, to that 70 cent piece. Because from my point of view, uh, the broker can go out and say, I by law act under your best interests, the banks don't. Now, I know there can be arguments around the banking code of practice and code of conduct, all that sort of thing. But it's, it's, it's an obvious thing. You have a piece of law that has huge penalties behind it now that we can argue and debate. Brokers have always acted in the best interest of the borrower, um, but now there's a piece of law that says you must, and then there is measures as to how you must looks like that uh, reinforces those outcomes, and uh, it's working really well. So uh, I was very excited for it to come in. I'm very pleased how brokers have adopted to it and the industry broadly, and uh, so far, so good. Uh, it can only be a good thing uh, reinforcing the role of a broker uh, to, to act in the best interests of yeah. uh, of their, their customers. And I think, you know, it really strengthens the industry and the and the whole mortgage ecosystem yeah. more broadly. Look, thanks very much, Peter, for joining me today. Uh, thanks for sharing your insights around uh, you know, how brokers are dealing with, uh, you know, the current economic climate. Um, really enjoyed the chat. Thanks so much. My pleasure, James. Thanks so much. I look forward to having another one one day. Thank you.